The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast series created by Mercedes Lackey and Steve Libby. Vertigree, written by Steve Libby, read by Veronica Jaguer. How many stooges were there? Dominic Verdigree the Eighth asked his bodyguard. Larry, Moe, Curly, damn, help me out here. Kanjar stretched. The muscles rippling under her dark skin made for a compelling vision. The white bikini top and diver shorts even more so. Despite the heat of the Thai sun, she had not broken a sweat. She gazed down her nose at the shark tank. In ten years, we had no television. I know nothing of your American pop culture. Cultural imperialism has failed me once again, he said with a sigh. The four sharks circled below. Gamo. Mark's brothers, Kanjar said, bored. Uh oh, the truth is out. So you do know something about Hollywood. Bollywood, more than Hollywood. But everyone knows the Marx Brothers, she said. Except you, apparently. Touche, you heartless minx, he winked at her. A brief smile escaped her ordinarily dour face. These were the moments Dominic felt a wave of fondness for her that others might mistake for love. So... We have four sharks and only three stooges. He rubbed his forehead, a habit he had developed as a young man when he first noticed his hairline receding. The surviving widow's peak gave him some measure of satisfaction. Well, that small one will have to go nameless until... Wait, I got it! Shemp! He called the name out to the Mako. Shemp, you little bastard! Now kill like the monster who is your namesake! Kill! Kanjar shook her head. Dominic, I am the only one here. You don't have to play supervillain around me. Dominic pouted and took her by the arm to stroll back to the compound. I thought you found it endearing. Sometimes. Don't you love me? Sometimes. He rolled his eyes. Heavens. You will still kill for me, won't you? Always. Then that's something, isn't it? Verdigree and his bodyguard mounted the path back to the cliffside villa. The narrow trail afforded them a stunning view of the Gulf of Thailand, where distant ships cut white trails through the scintillating blue waters. Nearer to shore, a green sport fishing boat bearing his V logo bounced over the waves in search of a prize. He'd given his engineers a day off to recover before he set them to work again on his designs. And designs he had in spades, for Dominic Verdigree VIII was no ordinary man. Some detractors believed him to be a metahuman in intellect, and as usual he delighted in agreeing with them. The worse a picture they painted of him, the happier he was. Yet they could not deny that every one of his inventions, from the mundane to the lethal, worked flawlessly. Verdigree owned seven companies, 
not including his own holding company, which was nearly invisible underneath paperwork and obscure commercial regulations from tiny island nations run by crooked politicians. Law enforcement agencies would have loved to tie him to a crime, yet the cost of such an investigation would run into the hundreds of millions of dollars, and... Strangely, most officials balked at taking such a risk about the same time they received the password to their fresh new offshore bank account. So, Verdigree built his widgets and gadgets as they sprung into his mind, as though he were composing a symphony. His intuitive grasp of virtually all the sciences came with little effort. He consumed science journals and stolen research notes as a housewife devoured harlequin romances. His designs found him, he claimed, as if through divine or infernal, inspiration. Once, Kanjar dared him to build her a superior exercise machine. He struggled with it for weeks, delving into anatomy, physiology, hydraulics, before giving up. But in the meantime, he had invented a stealth boat propeller, static electricity-guided nerve gas, a boat that dissolved on the skin, and a wholly unique flavor of barbecue sauce. Such was the way Verdigree's mind worked. Yet, in spite of the erratic nature of his gift, he held several pet projects close to his heart, hoping that one day, snorkeling in the reefs, or wrapped in his bodyguard's amorous embrace, or drunk as a dog on a hundred-year-old scotch, an epiphany would strike him like a lightning bolt and the answer would lay before him. Anti-gravity. Or the metahuman gene of greater interest recently after a sour experience with a mercenary metahuman who wouldn't follow orders. In the meantime, there were many pleasures to be extracted from life. He walked arm in arm with one of his favorites at that very moment. So, you finally have your shark tank, she said. Will you stop nattering about it now? My dear, Dominic said, haven't you ever had an aquarium? The fun is only beginning. But first, we must find some food for the little beasts. I can buy you a child in the markets tomorrow. Verdigree laughed. How charmingly coarse of you. Absolutely not. I am a man of sophistication. What would feeding children to hungry sharks make me? A villain. Which you already are. Wrong, wrong. Lovely, but wrong. It would make me scum. I am above such craven antics. He thought for a moment. Besides, Thai children are undernourished and a poor value for the bot. Better to kidnap an American businessman who deserves such a fate. I'm sure I can dredge up a rival or two on a pedophilia sex tour. Kanjar flashed white teeth at him. I like a good kidnapping now and then. It gets my blood going. Stick with me, kid, he said. Kanjar gave him a peck on the cheek. The day was now perfect. Verdigree had spared no expense building his villa. He loaded it both with luxuries and security measures of his own devising. As they entered his chambers, he sent a subvocalization to the microchip in his throat. The lasers and microwave guns resumed scanning for unauthorized personnel. Kanjar gave him another, longer kiss, one with unmistakable meaning and left him to shower in his personal bathroom. He practically skipped down the hall to the kitchens, where a family of Thai chefs of international caliber prepared the evening's meal. 
The grandmotherly head chef chissed and swatted at his hand as he sampled the consomme she had been cooking since morning. Verdigris issued orders to the wine steward for an appropriate bottle to celebrate a shark tank. The man descended into the wine cellar, shaking his head slowly from side to side. Mist danced along the ceiling of his bedroom when he stepped inside. Kanjar's form swayed behind a steamy shower door in the master bath. Dominic stripped off his bright green shirt and trousers and flopped down behind his personal desk wearing nothing but green silk boxers. In the tropical heat, clothes became an unnecessary burden. Still, he had a certain sense of decorum to maintain as the master of the Enterprise, which did allow him to enjoy snazzy villainous outfits. He flipped open his laptop and checked his email, what he thought of as pulling strings. There was a lot of work behind the scenes, giving secret directives to dozens of politicians and executives. The conspiracy nut jobs simply didn't appreciate the amount of work it took to manipulate world events. Head bowed over the laptop, he didn't notice the man in khaki military ops camouflage slip into the room. The assassin leveled a silenced pistol at Verdigree. The laser scope painted a dot on his forehead. Without hesitation, the assassin pulled the trigger. Verdigree glanced up at the muffled sound. The bullet vaporized a foot from his head with a puff. Hey! He squeaked. Where'd you come from? He closed the laptop lid and stood up. The man squeezed off five more shots at the red dot on Verdigree's forehead. None of the bullets found their mark. Cut it out, Verdigree said, and jerked thumb at the ceiling. Subsonics track my every move in here. You're wasting bullets. They just... He snapped his fingers. Poof. Neat, no? The assassin hesitated. Behind his goggles, his eyes were wild. Pretty good job getting in here. I hope you didn't kill any of my folks, because that sticks in my craw. Verdigree scratched his buttocks as he approached the man. The assassin drew a long, wicked knife and lunged for Verdigree's throat. The subsonic curtain shook the knife to dust inches from Dominic's chest. He stepped aside and let the assassin stumble and noted a patch on his shoulder. One of black snakes, huh? Usually I know about contracts well ahead of time, especially if I commission them to test my defenses. But you're totally under the radar. What are you doing, killing in your spare time? Doesn't Black Snake make you sign a non-compete? The assassin crouched in a defensive position, hands up to counter invisible weapons. Darling? Kanjar's lilting voice wafted in from the bathroom. Who are you talking to? Assassin, dear he called over his shoulder. The glass of the shower stall shattered as Kanjar burst from the bathroom and crossed the floor in a split second. Verdigree knew her skin had hardened to the resilience of steel instantly, making her outstretched hands as deadly as butcher knives. Paralyze! Paralyze! he shouted in time. The black snake operative flailed to protect himself, but her strike shattered the bones of his arms and plunged into his stomach. Thoughtful expression overcame her face as she manipulated his spine. The man collapsed in a heap. Kanjar stood, resplendent in her victim's blood like the knife for which he was named. 
Thank you for not killing him, Verdigray said. Do you wish me to interrogate him? Oh, no. I just think the Stooges would appreciate a warm meal. He leaned over the twitching man. Bad luck, my friend. I'll send Blacksnake a postcard letting them know they can look for your replacement. Meanwhile, this young lady here gets quite riled up after killing a man, and you can see for yourself that she's a woman to keep happy. Verdigree took Kanjar's hand and led her back to the shower, stepping over shards of glass. We'll give you a rousing send-off, though, he said, as Kanjar's skin softened from steel to silk, and she drew him into the warm water. is hiring. Log on to www.echometahumans.com and join the Echo Mock Street team. Your mission? Spread the word about the Secret World Chronicle.